Welcome to the You Don't Know Schmidt podcast. Over my 15 years in the insurance industry, I've connected with some incredible women in insurance and leadership. Many of them have become close friends, and here on the show, I'll share their stories with you in hopes that you can learn something and apply it to your journey. We'll dig into career life and ambitions, but also family life and the other real and raw things that make up our day today. I'm your host, Olivia Schmidt. You don't know Schmidt yet, but you will. And I absolutely must give a huge shout out to Total CSR for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you so much for believing in me and making this all possible. I am eternally grateful. And now, on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, whenever you happen to be listening. I am absolutely excited to be catching up with my friend, Kiki Johnson. She is the co-founder of The Insurance Agent App. So I had the pleasure of meeting Kiki at a conference in Florida. I think that was the first time that we met face-to-face, and then our paths have continued to cross. We've stayed in touch, and we've been able to have some really great conversations. And so I'm excited to have her here today with her beautiful tropical background. I want to go there wherever it is that... I do too. Background. <laughs> How are you? Keith? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. This is very fun and transitioned a lot because when I first met you at that event down in Florida, you were on the agency side. Yes. So yes. Life has trend. changed pretty significant. I mean, we've all gone through such, such dramatic changes in such a short amount of time, but yeah, I certainly, yeah. I wanted to pile everything together. Yeah. You've done a good job of that. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Less than a year and you just like, boom. Yeah. Let's, I was change like, every, let's change it all up. Yeah, let's do it all. I mean, go big or go home. So you are based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. How, how's everything going in Charlotte right now? Good. You know, it's, it's the new normal. We are uh, unfortunately a red state. I think that has to do a lot with the, uh, the coastal line that we have here. So we get a lot of um, fun and frolicking and partying that's going on there that's just helping it spread plus the international, we had a big international airport. So we were hoping to come out of phase two today, as a matter of fact, and we are into phase two through September 11th now. Oh, wow. Where, yeah. So all the public schools and whatnot are still, at least, I, I don't know if it's statewide, but I know for sure here in Charlotte, we are not, they are all doing remote. Now that could change in October and they could go back to school, but for right now it's starting remote. Athletics just got kiboshed for oh, the fall for right okay. now. Yeah, so that affects one of my children. Uh, my son is a big soccer player, so he is just, and I think all the kids, I think that's, I wish that, they, and they're not even allowed to practice. Bad that they're not even allowed to practice, I think, because there's a whole mental health aspect to the impact of the pandemic that is really hard on the little kids, the big, on, on adults, on all of us. So I think oh. that's really hard. I was, there's ways to do things and stay safe for the greater good. They will not be playing sports. Yeah. It feels significant. Right. And I look at my kids and they're, and they're younger than yours, but there's still, I think there's certain realities that affect us at all ages. Like we want to be with people. We probably would have had some time together at a couple of conferences over the last few months. And, you know, we don't have that hopefully more to look forward in 2021. But I look at my kids who are all coming at this from very different angles. And I have a a 13 year old who 
was excited to be learning remote. He doesn't do well Ooh. in a classroom setting. Like this is all good with him. You know, he can still socialize when it's appropriate time to socialize. My 10 year old was just ready to not be with his siblings every day. So he's going with the hybrid option. Ah. And my seven-year-old, who is my little social butterfly, she's probably the most like me out of any of my children. Her biggest concern was she wanted to go with the remote learning. I don't think I can be home five days a week with a seven-year-old and really get her through school in the way that I should. Yeah. Uh, she didn't want to go to school and not be able to like hug her friends. Yeah. Like, it's going to be really hard for her to like adhere to all of those rules when she's in a classroom environment. So yeah, I mean, I think we're experiencing this on different levels. We're feeling differently about it, but man, I can't imagine. So how old is he? Is he like a senior in high school or junior? No, he's, he a junior. He's, he's a junior. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rising junior, whatever. This is a big, it's deal. a big deal. It's a big year. Yeah. It's a big deal. They were high in the state ranking in the state and whatnot. Same with the football, you know, so it's just, and it's a big part of just their, their socialization, their, the mental clarity, mental toughness of just supporting each other. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I mean, do you think, and it'll be interesting to see, and I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't plan this question, Kiki, but do you think that this changes the way that our kids learn teamwork? Like, like 10 years from now, what do our kids, because it's a huge part of his development as like being a team supporter and a leader. And that not so much my kids, but I think it's going to impact different kids at different time that 10 years from now, they'll look back. I think it's going to be hard on little on the kids that are in kindergarten, first and second grade, you know, that are doing those fine motor skills and whatnot. And suddenly they're not going to have one family is going to be set up. The parent's not working. They're going to be there. They're going to do extra with them. And another family, they're jamming. They're doing the best they can and they're maxed out, but they don't have the patience or this area or the supplies or anything to do the cutting, the pasting, the gluing, the messes, the everything that you send them to school for and let it happen all there. And then you get them home. And so I think that's really going to, you know, even reading, learning numbers, all that stuff. I mean, it's 3D versus 1D. Yeah. Totally. I think it's, you know, my kids are older. Like I said, I, I think yeah, I mean, they can learn anything. I mean, they could go to school and learn anything remotely. So I don't think it's going to impact them at all. They'll recover quickly because it won't be that far behind them in terms of what it was like to yeah. getting back to it. But there's a whole group segment that is going to, it's going to be a much bigger impact. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how we as a country respond to that educationally for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about the adjusting and readjusting that we're all being called to do right now. It's, and it's daily. I don't think, yeah, you can't really like set your, you can set your course, I think, to a certain extent, but there's also a lot of flexibility that you have to allow for now every day. Well, yeah, in middle school, I mean, the kids that, that's a time that you figure out and you you push through anxiety and you build up your ability to interact and you change friends and move all of that. So by staying home and avoiding that isn't really helping them through that developmental phase. So it may all, will it all get pushed back a little bit and now it'll happen a little later, you know? So we'll see. I mean, it's it's not like the country hasn't been there, done this before. And we seem to come out of it. We're tougher than that. So it's just going to be interesting to watch. That's right. I think there is certainly the toughness and resilience factor that plays such an important role in making sure that 
we adjust and we, and we do come out stronger. Yeah. On the other yeah. side. And it's the same way for agencies and they're dealing with this and all the, the companies that are out there is everybody will come out of it. We're all going to be a little bit different and it's going to be changed. And there are going to be people that are more proactive during this period and others that are kind of more of the wait and see and are going to have to play even more catch up afterwards. But we're still moving forward. It's just changed how we do that. Yeah. And I think, and I love that you bring that up, Kiki, because I think that I'm going to dive into it now because you said it and I don't want to, okay. I don't want to forget about it, but I think sometimes we create this ideal picture, right? And now we've kind of had to take a step back and say, well, now the picture is going to look different and it's still going to be a great picture. It's just going to be different than what we expected it to be. Yeah. But I think that's what we all have to do. And I think it's really important for agencies is you got to be flexible enough to pivot is how you did business is great and it got you to the point that you are now, but the world is changing and you have to change with it. And that's one of the biggest things that coming from outside the industry into the industry that has amazed me the most is how insular the, the industry is and how many people just are completely unaware of how things are done anywhere else. A lot of times because it's the only industry they've been involved in. Yeah. And the kids came right into it. They grew up in it. They went into it. And so they never had that opportunity to go and work for a different kind of company, a completely different industry, a different vertical or anything. And so they're suddenly like, oh, wow, there are all these different ways to do it. And they're so far behind, but they're like, wow, this is great. You can do this. So it's changing. It's never too late, but you got to just always be pivoting. I mean, especially I'm on more on the tech side and that's what you're always doing. You're, you assess and pivot. If you have to, you assess, you move forward if you have to pivot, but it's never a fail or a, oh, we didn't do that. It's like, oh, okay. This makes more sense now as we see this part of the picture or whatever. Yeah. So speaking of coming from outside of the industry, I want to dive into your work history, what brought you to developing the insurance agent app, which is obviously a critical piece to the connection point between agencies and their clients, but what brought you here? Well, didn't come intentionally into insurance. I mean, my, my background is I've literally been about in as many different verticals and industries as possible. My first entrepreneurial was actually I opened up a restaurant shortly after college and just was like, yeah, let's do this. And it was interesting because it was in the, in the mountains in California. And we went in and uh, the bank had it in foreclosure and we're trying to get tenants back in. And so myself and a really good friend were like, yeah, we can do this. It's no problem. So we took over this spot that had been in foreclosure for 18 months and Literally, the police had come in and shut the business down, and uh, there were enchiladas still on the tables. There was, you know, enchiladas still in the food still on the tables, enchiladas still in the oven, like the milk dispenser. And we were like, no problem, we'll just do this. And so that was my first being my own boss and doing that. And it was, and I loved it. I thought it was really, really, really fun. And then I moved on and I went into the real estate vertical and I was in the securities vertical and selling financials and I was in the hot and I'm, I'm, I'm just a learner by nature. So I've moved a lot of different places. And then just if an interesting opportunity opened up or presented to me, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And that's kind of what happened in insurance. I'd been in, in terms of getting into it, I'd been in the, the phase of my life that I was in at the time 
was developing actually games for this thing called the App Store that at the time only had about 1,500 apps in it. And we were producing a word game. And at the time, we were kind of just looking at it. It was some IP that um, was available. And my co-founder was running down the road and almost got taken out by a vehicle. And the car came, went ahead of him slid into a tree and basically totaled it. But because we were in mobile development at a very early time, and it, you know, if you think back when mobile phones first came out, it was really a phone and you could play games on it. I mean, that's how pe- no one from the outside saw the potential. But when we were working in it, we were like, and I was so excited because like, oh my God, I'm going to have everything right here in front of me at all times, not scattered here and scattered there. I mean, I was so excited yeah. about you know, the mobile phone, because I knew this is my computer and I could have everything and I wouldn't have to remember anything. So <laughs> that was why. So we looked at it that way. So when this happened and this, we were like, oh my God, what I would do is I would look on my phone mm-hmm. to find out who my insurance company is. What do I do in an accident? What information do I need? And that's when we realized, what is this? And started doing our research and going out to insurance agencies and independent agencies and saying, what do you think? And they were like, that'd be great, but I don't have the time, money, or resources to do this. And we're like, why? And that's when I, we, we realized the whole independent channel is so fractured and siloed, and nobody really has the independent agents back because they work with all these. So they truly are entrepreneurs because they, they have all these big carriers and names behind them, but they only back them for the segment that they cover. Right. So it's, you know, it's not like all of these. So it was really fascinating and interesting. And it was just realizing how much help they needed and all the things that could be done and knowing what the future was going to bring in terms of down the road with technology and the phone and how things were going to, how data was going to be exchanged and how people are going to do things and productivity and everything else. I think we were way ahead of the curve in terms of seeing it and, not, and the agency's not being able to see it. It's taken much longer than we thought for the agencies to go, I get it, because they wanted to just keep things the way things had been. They didn't see anything wrong with it. It was working, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it was working until the technology boom really started to explode. And now it's more and more challenging. It's like, you better get those relationships and whatnot. So I got way off on tangent there. What was the original question? <laughs> No, this makes total sense. I mean, it's interesting how you were able to just kind of visualize off of just your work background and an incident occurring and you put those two things together. Like, I don't know that everybody would necessarily be like, oh, this situation could have gone this way and like, and then started talking about creating a business out of it. It's very, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because our first approach was completely from the policyholder point of view. Mm -hmm. Is, okay, I as a policyholder want this convenience from my agent. And the agent saying, yeah, I'd love to be able to give that to you. And then, you know, and at the time we also talked about, some of them said like, you know, if you could do something with the property inventory also, that would be great. Because we ask clients to do, we tell clients how important it is to inventory your property should you have a claim of any kind. Mm-hmm. And yet we have no capacity to do it. We're like, yeah, go do that, you know, and 
store it here or put it in your, you know, safety deposit box, which I don't know anybody that does that. And, or they sent them off to a third party where they lose complete contact of the customer. I'm like, so you just push your customer away from you to be picked up by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so it was very obvious to us, like, wow, there's just so much blue sky here to help agencies. And really it came from that perspective of, wow, these guys need a lot of help. I mean, even from walking into agencies where I had worked with a CRM from early on in my career, loved that, loved the capacities of CRMs, and even did it when my company didn't have it. I was like, okay, I need this software. I'll buy it with my own money if I need to, to be able to use it. And, um, and going into agencies and they're like, yeah, we don't use this. We still just use a file system or yeah, you know, and then learning more about the, how little about of the agency management systems people use. So for me, it was really fun. I mean, I could put those pieces together from yeah. the different industries I'd been in and just what I learned, the feedback I was getting from the agency. Yeah. So connection and convenience were really driving yeah. factors in the development of this. I mean. Yeah. And it's funny because it, it is in the time that's gone by, it's just that whole con connection, convenience, and the experience mm -hmm. have just been focused in on more and more and more as we go into it. And now what's fascinating is it's not about service. It's about the experience that you give me. Like just because you have great service yep. doesn't mean anything if it's not the experience that I'm looking for. It's like, it's great that you answer the phone at your agency, but I don't want to talk to you guys. I want to do this on my phone at 10 o'clock at night, sitting on the couch or while I'm at the stop sign or the stoplight, you know, waiting for it to change. I want to just take care of what I need to take care of. Right. And so that's just been crystallized, you know. Yeah. So you've, you've had just this interesting entrepreneurial journey, mm -hmm. really. Do mm -hmm. you think that you were like born with an entrepreneurial spirit? Like, was that always part of what you saw yourself doing? I said, well, first of all, I'm one of six kids. So okay. I think by, by nature, you're independent and you just, and I was also fourth down from the top. So it was either I was going to do it or it wasn't going to get done. Yeah. I mean, I quickly learned that, that I had to, if I wanted to get, if I want to move forward to get things done. So I've always just been that person that was just, took control. If I wanted something, I had to do it myself. I had to get to it. So yeah. I think that influenced me and made me, you know, part of who I am. And then I also grew up right outside New York city. So okay. I grew up just, you know, I somewhat independent Yeah, because of that. I think it just forces you or just, we just were, I don't know. Yeah. Like we used to go to the city all the time and not think twice about it. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, I've not been to the city. Uh, you'll get there. It's yes, great. one of these days. One of these days for sure. I I want to, I want to do the whole like touristy New York thing, but yeah, I think there there is something to be said about you know coming from a large family, having to be creative, and kind mm -hmm. of having to just like you do. You have to do things for yourself. I was I'm the third of of six, so and I'm not going to say I have an entrepreneurial spirit. I don't, but I do understand that like you're just gonna. There's a lot of other kids, and you're going to have to figure some things out. There's only so much time that can be dedicated to. <laughs> to yeah, you. and you got to speak if you want something. You got to speak up yeah. because just saying it, it's get, it gets lost in the noise. Yeah. You know, so I think I learned early on that 
you can't say something and expect it to be heard or to be heard over. And I also had four brothers and one sister. Oh, yeah. So I was very comfortable about, about challenging my brothers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think that helped me, like, being very comfortable around in environments that may be male-heavy or, you know, either way. It didn't – I didn't – I just saw it as, like, no, I got to get my voice in there. And, yeah. You know, like, yeah. when everyone said, no, keep – I'm not going to do it. She'll do it. And they kept passing it down the line. And I was like, wait, I've done that for the last three, six times. Somebody else needs to do it now, you know, because it always got dumped on me because there was a gap between me and my two younger brothers. And so I was, I had to stand up for myself so I didn't get, you know, <laughs> steamroll. You know, well, yeah, you know, like she'll go to the store that now I'm not going to store. you go to the store, you go to the store, you go to the store. I'm like, no, I always go to the store. <laughs> <laughs> not doing this anymore. I said, my parents, my parents were very good about delegating, yeah. you know, and, and giving us responsibility. And, and as such, our, we were very good at delegating responsibility on down the line. These, these are all life skills. These are, these are totally. valuable life skills, Kate. You know, <laughs> it's funny how that stuff all comes back to like childhood experiences. It, well, that's, and that's why I say about the impact of COVID today yeah. and how it's robbing some kids from that. I mean, they'll catch up, but it'll be just interesting to watch yeah. because it's different. It's a different dynamic now, you know, yeah. it'll all get figured out because everybody's going through it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of, maybe if we're getting more life lessons though, just because like kids are home more, they're getting their street smarts without anybody being out on the streets. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just came up with that. Now I'm like, well, maybe that doesn't make sense. We'll see. I don't know. So when you look back at all of these experiences, what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned so far? I think it would go back to just, if you want something, you just got to go for it. Like, don't wait for somebody else to deliver it to you or don't expect somebody else to, just because you said something, if it's not happening, if you really want it, you got to keep pushing forward. But if you put out an idea and people don't pick it up, don't just walk away from it. You got to keep it going and keep moving it forward if you really believe in it or a job or um, your role in what you're doing. Yeah, so for sure. That's a big one. Yeah. Ownership is, is, it's so critical and it's hard to, I think sometimes it's hard to, well, for me, I'm going to say for me, it's hard to like embrace the full scope of that. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I mean, I think we, we, we sometimes let life direct us and it's working out really well. So we don't feel any need to challenge. And then all of a sudden we start going, okay, maybe I want to take control a little bit more and we're not as comfortable with it because we haven't done it as much. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where it's really important, especially for women, because I think they sometimes tend to just let the flow take them. Mm -hmm. And they need to learn, we need to learn how to listen to and trust our gut yeah. and not, you know, I think it was Tim Ferriss that says, don't listen to your mind, listen to your gut, which I think is important. We, we often listen to, we, our, we let our mind play games with us yeah. and we need to trust our gut and be like, no, no, this is good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I read this, but well, I listened to it and now I'm reading it, but it was called like what makes the brain happy or what makes your brain happy. And our brain's natural tendency kind of betrays us. So it's, it is, it's, it's like very interesting that you would say that, but yeah, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to like get my, 
rewire a little bit. So, um, so does the book say that our brain doesn't want to make us happy or does want to make us happy? It, it well, it almost creates an illusion of happiness because it's always taking the path of least resistance. Ooh. And so if we always take the path of least resistance, we're probably cutting ourselves short in life. We're not right. achieving everything that we could. We're probably not standing up for ourselves in every situation because like the, the natural tendency is like, I've been told no, no is safe. I'll take no and I'll move on to something else. Whereas if you're like, no, I believe in this and I'm going to double down or I'm going to figure out how to make this work, that's not the path of least resistance. And so you have to, it's a completely different thought process than what your brain would naturally do. But I think that like brains develop differently. Our personalities are different. And like, there's a lot of different factors, but it talks about like the, the brain's natural wiring and, and things like that. So it's just, it, it, it's interesting. So yeah. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes I read this stuff and then it just like keeps like popping up in conversations and I'm like, ah, yes, yes. Got to remember, got to remember that one. Who has made a significant impact on your journey? Like if you had mentors or people that have just, you know, helped carry you along on this amazing journey that you've been on? Yeah, I don't have one. Like I've never stayed in one place long enough to have one consistent mentor. I think what I would say is I've had amazing mentors throughout my life and at different phases and places and it just kind of pivots and shifts. I think growing up, impact was, I said, family, but also where I lived and the teachers and whatnot in school, the expectation was you were going to excel and you were going to be a leader. I mean, that was just the expectation, especially to, as a woman back um, when I was in high school and stuff was just, you know, you're going to be CEO. I mean, that was what we were, you know, in our classes. Mm. That's what my teachers were saying to us. Right. You know, and I don't know if that was progressive because of where I lived. I have to assume it probably was, um, that, that that was instilled in me. So I always went after with the expectation that, yeah, I would be um, a leader. Um, so I fell into that. And I was also tall, which I think has no correlation to being a leader, but you're often put in that position just because you're standing above everybody. I mean, I was always literally like a foot taller than anybody, especially, yeah. in, you know, so... I was often picked as the captain for no other reason than I was just bigger than everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How tall are you? Um, I'm like five, nine, that's five, cool. nine and a half. So that's pretty know. tall. Yeah. So that, you know, but then as I got into different areas, I definitely had in different verticals, different people that were great mentors or advocates, but it was always along those same lines. No, if you want something, you're going to have to go for it and you're going to have to work it. I had great mentors that were like, great idea. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. You know, that just were like, don't bring me and, and instilled in me. I don't want to hear what their problem is. Give me, come to me with a, if you don't have a solution or some suggestion that you can implement, then don't take up my time. Yeah. So I learned early on that I had to come with a plan or have a, an outline of a plan if I was going to be taken seriously and I was going to be able to progress with it. Yeah. Sometimes it worked out. Sometimes my plan wasn't so great. <laughs> they were like, yeah, no, go back, go back. But that was good they, that you, I got that experience of not failure because I don't like the word failure, but rejection. Yeah. And that that's okay is that, and I think I've read, women tend to think they need to, I just read something about how um, when applying for jobs, 
women expect to check off 100% of the requirements for the job, mm-hmm. whereas men ex- only, if they hit 60% of them, they're all in. Yeah. I got this, man. And they go in with that confidence. Yeah. And I think I learned early on is to take that approach is you don't have to have everything, but you have to have enough to show that you can get across the finish line. Yeah. And I think that's a really important lesson in the industry for anybody. But I think women just, I don't know whether it's by nature, it's just environment or whatnot. We tend to want perfection. And so we tend to come and think, okay, I've got to have it all figured out. So we either don't bring it to the table because we don't have it all figured out as opposed to, hey, here's what I've got. There's still some things to work out. Give me some feedback on it and let's see where we can go with it. And I think that's a big growth leap when people can wrap their heads around that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, like you've had some people in your life that were, that were just very honest with you. Like this is going to work or it's not going to work. Well, yeah. And pushed me. I've always had people, you know, my best mentors have been the ones that have, you know, have pushed me and questioned me. And I'll never forget. I had one mentor who said to me, he said, you ask a lot of questions. It's great that you ask questions, but you need to stop and take in the information and make sure you're asking only the critical questions. Because mm. even though they're interesting questions and they're good questions, they're not necessarily adding to the conversation. Yeah. And that's really, that, that was a really, that stuck with me for a really long time is if you're going to add something, make sure it has value. And it used to drive me nuts because being, I was on a lot of committees and you get on boards and different things and it's like, oh my God, can we all just stop saying the same thing just to be able to say that we said something? Yeah. We could be out of here literally. And that's why I like, you know, stand-ups that are like 15 minutes long. It's like, it's 15 minutes. Don't say something if it's already been said, you know, and I loved when, you know, that wave came in because it, the time wasted was just astronomical. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it, 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 it is, it's like, you want to come up with original ideas and sometimes you don't have one. So then it's like, well, playing parrot in that situation is not helping anybody. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. You talked about how, women have a tendency to not put themselves out there. They, they want to be able, you want guaranteed success. At least that's, you know, that's, and this is, this is coming from me. So it's, it's my opinion, certainly. But it's like, if you can't check all the boxes, then why would I throw my hat in the ring? How do we help women get past that? How do we, you know, help them take that next step, even if it feels a little unsteady and a little scary and maybe they don't have all of the answers in that moment. I think just normalize that. That's okay. It's like that is putting it out there that you don't have to have all the answers. You don't, you don't have to strive. It's not perfection that we're striving for. It's forward movement. It's you know, adding to more to the process than what we have now. It's streamlining. And so I think, and, and this is true for everybody, because I think it's getting mixed in, and muddled and anybody can learn from that lesson is if you believe you have the skill set, even if you don't have it on paper, then go in and defend yourself. Don't wait for that perfect moment or it's all going to come together is get comfortable with the uncomfortable. What's the worst can, that can happen? You know, you can't fall off the floor. 
You're not, yeah. I love that. So yeah, it's just, it, take a chance, think it through, but you know, you've got, just go for it. Don't, and again, I think it's follow your gut. You, you know more than you think you know. You can do more than you think you can do. And ask questions. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So when you take into account the experiences you've had, the people that have impacted you, what piece of advice would you go back and give your younger self? I feel like I keep saying the same thing over and over again, but I would say follow your gut, go for it, believe in it, and, um, and have fun. I mean, if you hate what you're doing, leave. I mean, when I was in the securities industry and I loved the industry, I love financials, I love that whole part of it, but I did not like the environment that I was in. It was just really heavy male dominated. I didn't like just the people, um, even though it was a, it was a good, it was an aggressive environment. It was like a Lehman Brothers environment. Mm. Uh, it just was tiring. I was like, I didn't want to be, I didn't, in that instance, I didn't want to be the token woman, which is what I was. So I was just dealing with a lot of that. Yeah. So like I had one guy who literally every day would tell me a dumb blonde joke. Every day wow. would tell me a dumb blonde joke. And he thought he was so funny. And so finally I was just, I'd had enough. And I was like, okay, you do know why all dumb blonde jokes are one-liners. And he was like, no, why? And I said, so men can understand them. <laughs> he never said anything to me again. <laughs> and I resisted, like I was trying to just like, I was playing that just nice role, like, cause there was no way I could win. Like if I called him out on it, I would be a sore sport or anything like that. So I just like let it ride. And then I just got, I was like, I don't really care. I'm just, screw it. So moving on, um, moving yeah. on and said to him what I said to him, and <laughs> took him aback and everything else. And, and then, but I realized, you know, I, I didn't really enjoy, I wasn't having fun in the industry. So I moved on, I, you know, I cut my losses and said, okay, I got a lot of information on it. I learned a lot about it. I understand a lot more than I walked in, but I don't need to stay in it forever just because it's a choice I made. So I cut my losses and, and moved on. And yeah. I think women need to be comfortable doing that. They get into a position, they feel like, oh, I've got everything here. I can't make a change. Like you did that. You made a huge change. Mm -hmm. You took that chance. And that's great. I love that. And I think there are more women that are sitting out there thinking about it and take action. Yeah. You know, it's your life. You get to have the fun that you want to have and do what you want to do. And, you know, if you know you're not getting the most out of you, there's more in you to do, to give, to learn, to challenge, to share, whatever it is, do it, go for it. Yeah. This is, you know. this is incredible, Kiki. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm looking forward to playing this back because I think it's so important. I really did believe for a long time that I was only suited to do one thing. And you crossed, you completely shifted. Like you yeah. went from one role to a completely different role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How's it going? It's amazing. Right. I would have to assume that you surprised yourself and went, wait, I do know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I try and remind myself of this every day. I think it's, it's a process to shed beliefs that I hung on to for basically my whole life that I couldn't change and I couldn't do something different. And so, so yeah, I think it's absolutely critical. And it, 
I could feel the tree. I felt it in my gut, Kiki. I yeah. knew. And I was like, something has to change. Something, fortunately, like, you know, and I'm not supposed to say that anymore. No more series of fortunate events. There was somebody out there that was looking for me. Right. And so it, it was a matter of their need and me saying yes, you know, but I, I trusted them implicitly. I still do. Like, no regrets at all whatsoever. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So a little, a little scary and every day there's something new that I have to learn, but I also like, you know, the, the challenge can be frustrating, but like when you start to get those wins, it is the most rewarding freaking thing. Like, it's just, it's amazing when I, when I look back, cause it's only been six months. Sometimes it feels like it's been forever just cause we've been in quarantine and stuff, but, <laughs> but it's just like wow, a lot, a lot has changed. I have an amazing team that I get to work with every single day. Like it is. So yeah. So I, not that, and this is, <laughs> this is not about me. This is about you, but I, I just love, because I think it, it's, it's so important. And that's one of the things that I really want people to understand when they listen to this podcast is that there are so many paths to take. If you, I wanted to stay in insurance. I knew that mm-hmm. you found the insurance industry and, and found a way to help improve it, help improve the lives of agents and their customers. There's not one path in here. And once you get here, you don't have to continue doing the same thing, right? There's so much opportunity. Yeah. And that's, I think what people, what anybody needs to look at is how many ways that you can approach something. It's like, we go in and we think of insurance as, well, it has to be sales. Or if you came in as a CSR, that's all you can do. And you don't think about, there's so many different elements to it. Now there's the insure tech side of it. And you know, if you're more techie or, or like that field of it, there's the carrier side of it. There's all these different, there's the association side. There's tons of different ways that you can be involved in it and use your skill set. And I think that one thing that, I heard, I think, I don't know who it was on one of your other podcasts and they talked about a, I think it was kind of an accountability group or a women's group, you know, where they could, where they could talk and share. And I think that's, that's phenomenal. I would love to see more of that because I think we tend to not discuss what our capabilities are and be able, and, and it's always nice to have an accountability partner who can say, oh yeah, you can do that. Or, oh yeah, that's, that's this, because what, what you don't realize if you haven't changed industries is as much as things change, they are exact. Is literally, I've been in the um, securities sector. I've, been, I've sold contracts in the government sector to the DOD, and I've, sell, I've been in the restaurant industry and the restaurant vertical, and there's an underlying similarity across all of them. Yes, you need to learn the lingo. You need to learn the acronyms. You need to learn the flow of things. But essentially what you're doing in each one of those is exactly the same. Whether it's servicing, whether it's selling, whether it's marketing, whether it's developing, it's all the same. Yeah. And so that's why I tell people all the time that I meet, I didn't think about the insurance industry at all. But now nieces and nephews and kids graduating and stuff. And I'm like, you should look at this industry. Mm-hmm. There is such a broad scope to it. And most of them think of the independent and like I've got I've got one who's thinks he wants to go into banking and the financial side and I said great you know it, that's also but you should look at the insurance side because there's a whole lot going on there 
mm-hmm. that will give you that same feel, but from a different perspective that you'd never come in for. And it's not as competitive as the financial trying to get with a Morgan Stanley or, mm-hmm. yeah. or you know, or on, on that level, but you can have just as much and do just as well coming in from this angle. So I think it's a real, it's opened my eyes to how broad the whole channel is. Yeah. Yeah. There is, I believe that, you know, there's an opportunity for anybody and like narrowing it down too much does a disservice to how amazing this industry really is. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I, I've been so lucky that I've gotten to, you know, talk to so many people and especially women now with the podcast and realize like, it's so unique in terms of the story that you can start building in this industry. Totally. And I think it's a lot for women, especially, I think the sky is the limit. I think there is so much here and there's so many new positions being created now inside agencies and across agencies and everything else as they're starting to wrap their heads around data and wrap. And and there's so many courses that you could take to catch up with, with content marketing and marketing and, Mm -hmm client relationships and client experience that you could be at the head of your field and leading it in short order. And that may be a much better position for you. And you may be much more productive and be able to offer more than what you're doing right now um, in your current role, you know, that may not be satisfying you. So again, go back to follow your gut. If you're like, eh, I mean, you shouldn't be like, eh, you know, you should have fun. What you're doing. If you don't like the people you're around, don't torture yourself. I, yeah. You know, I'm a believer in that. Don't, this yeah. is your life. Live it. <laughs> yeah. You really, you only get one of them. When you were talking before, that's what was going through my head. Like you do have this one opportunity and there's not redos. No. Like, obviously you can always like change your career. Like that, that opportunity exists. But like when you hit age 70 or 75, like you don't get to be like, well, I, w- I decided I want to go back to 25 and try something different. Like this is your time. It is. I mean, like that, I mean, I started that really on my first job when I was coming out of college and I was interviewing with all these big companies in New York and I had my opportunity to ask the question, like, you know, they were like, okay, so do you have any questions for us? And I was like, yeah. I said, so May I'm graduating. I said, you're offering me a great position, but I really want to go out West and check it out. But I'm concerned that I won't get on the corporate ladder. But I also knew that in, if I, once I got on that ladder, there was no getting off. Like, you're in and you can't leave. So I was like, what do you think? Will you hire me? And they were like, yeah, go out West. If we'll hire you, we're going to hire you today. We're going to hire you when you get back. I just never came back. I headed out to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I never went back to the <laughs> East Coast again. <laughs> well, you had, you had other adventures to pursue. I think it's- I did. I did. So I, I, I did that and it, you know, it worked out well for me. But if I hadn't taken that chance, I would have been in that grind. I wouldn't have traveled the world the way I did. I wouldn't have done all the different things that I've done. And that's not for everybody. But I asked the question. I was like, so can I do this? And they were like, yeah. You know, and my gut was telling me, don't do that. Because I knew me. I'm a very competitive person. Mm-hmm. So I knew that once I got into that, I, once I got on that wheel, You'd I'd be in it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 then I, and then the mantra in my head would be, you're going for VP, you're going for CEO, you're going, you know, you got to keep climbing the ladder. And um, so, yeah, listen to your gut. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Because life should, it should be an adventure and it should be 
I mean, I know we all have obligations and responsibilities, but there has to be a lot of adventure of your choosing type. Of thing. Oh yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean it's all going to work out perfectly. You know, right. there are going to be times when you're going to be like, yeah, okay, this is not what I thought. Like the whole securities thing was great. And then it was like, yeah, no, this is not, this is not where I want, where I see myself long-term. Yeah, for sure. So no, I love it. I love it. And I hope that my kids have that sense of like, I can create my story. Well, I think that's where it's important to let kids fail. I mean, really let them like, and not fail, but like, so that didn't work out so well, did it? So, okay. Now you know that let's, how would you pivot going forward and pick yourself up and how would you do it differently? I mean, but you, that's where you got to learn from those lessons. Mm -hmm. of, and I think there's a lot of pressure on kids to not fail these yeah. days. And I think that's a shame because in one breath, I always hear teachers saying, no, this is the time for them to fail. It's middle school, but they're not letting them fail. They're like saying, well, if you don't turn it in, you're going to get an F and then you're not going to get into college. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just failed at life because of that report. Yeah. Wait. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. So many great life lessons I'm taking away from this, Kiki. This is just amazing. So as we wrap up, as we close in on an hour, which has been like the fastest hour of my life, I feel like, what is next? But either with the business or with you, like what's the future look like? Who knows? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, right now, I, I love the space that we're in right now. I love um, how much there is still to be done in the insurance space. So I don't see movement away from right now. I'm excited about the things that, that we can do and that are on the roadmap for making it easier for agents to connect with their clients. Because really the product that we deliver is that last mile to and the last connection point directly to the, the, the policyholder from the agent. So all these other things are important. You got to have, you know, connecting with emails, you got to have this, but this is that container for them that brings it all home and holds it in one place. But I think the things that we can do with that and, and how those interactions work can only expand as the whole industry as a whole moves forward in the technology. I mean, they're, they're, you know, there's, the carriers are working with legacy technology yeah. that they're trying to move forward. But it's, it's not easy to move a mountain that's been built over hundreds of years yeah. and systems that have been cobbled together you know, it's easy to say, well, just put out an API, you know, and the whole API mantra that's out there, but APIs are hard. Yeah. They're difficult. They, they easy to, and you got to work, worry about security and, you know, privacy and there are a lot of issues. So um, I think it's exciting. So that's that. Well, after that, who knows? I mean, there's always something exciting around the corner. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, obviously, and I'm, I'm excited just to know you and to watch your story continue to evolve. And I feel just very inspired to, uh, to have this time to learn more about you and get your insight, but also like you just constantly are taking on new adventures. And so I love that. Like they're, I think that's great. It's fun. And I, I mean, I love all, I mean, it was so fun to meet you and see what you're doing. And I love just watching you go from space A to space B and I love like Sydney Rowe. I love what she, I've watched her grow. She was interviewed us when she was still in DC yeah. and she was one of our first hires and she actually did all the videos for the app. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's killing me because I need to 
deprecate them because we've redone the app, but it's just killing me. And I may even reach out to her and say, oh, come on, Sid, just do these next ones for me. You, know? <laughs> yeah. you got so, to so original. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's such as big an industry it is. It's really such a small industry. Yeah. So. yeah. And the, the story just continues to evolve. It's, it's amazing. So final question. Mm -hmm. If you get to play DJ for five minutes, <laughs> you get to pick the song for everybody. What are you choosing, Kiki? I actually knew you were going to ask this, mm -hmm. and I have no good answer because <laughs> I love listening to music, but I don't pick the music. So, like, I have always had music people around me. Yeah. I mean, and I, I danced. I was a dancer for years, and so, you know, I, I love music, and I love the movement of music, and I hear you, and I dance to music whenever it's on. But like, I don't have a favorite song. You know, I'd probably, my son that, who plays soccer, he has put together a great playlist on oh. Spotify where he's pulled like, just like this whole eclectic mesh of like 80s and 90s. And it's like 30 hours of music. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's just, and it goes from like Queen to Credence Clearwater to, I don't even know who some of the people are. So I would probably put that on. <laughs> This playlist. If you had to play a, let's let's say, okay, if you're gonna play a CCR song, what do you, you know? Didn't tell you. I just like I don't know the songs. I don't. I you know I'm like I'll start singing it, and they'll be like, how do you know this? I'm like I don't know. It's just in my brain. Do you want to sing for us, Kiki? Absolutely not. <laughs> I had three music teachers. This is probably part of the reason also is I've had three music teachers through the course of my years ask me to mouth the words. Oh. and not sing. Well, wow. Yeah, that tells you something. <laughs> yep. It'd be hard not to take that personally. <laughs> Luckily, I'm pretty strong, and I was like, all right, well, I was like, cool. So I'd be like, you know, <laughs> like, I was like, I can do anything now because no one hears me. <laughs> You're like, so singing's not my thing. <laughs> totally not my thing. I'll move. Yep. No singing. No I'll singing. pick something else. You probably had to stand in the back because you were the tallest, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, but nobody will notice that you're not saying all the words. <laughs> no, I just, they were just, just mouth them. Just don't have anything come out. Oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I look back now and I'm like, dang, I mean, it happened in elementary school. It happened in junior high and it happened in camp. I'm what? like, wow, you guys could have crushed me. Like yeah. either you knew that I really didn't care. I mean, that they could say that to me. I don't know. I should go back and ask those music teachers. And I was like, really? You just tell kids don't sing? <laughs> yeah. Did you really think that was okay? You wouldn't, nobody would do that now. Was that supposed to help me? Or, you know, I mean, it didn't hurt <laughs> me, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, I will, I will give you a, a queen or CCR pass. I'll pick one for you. Okay. When I, when I make the, uh, you don't know Schmidt Spotify uh, playlist. There you go. Thing for like, a month now that I was going to do and I still haven't done it. So, yeah. um, but I'll, I'll any good song. I'll like it. Hmm? I said any good song. I'll like it. I mean, I like the rap my kids play not crazy, but a lot of the lyrics, but you know. yeah. Oh, believe. Yeah. I make my kids talk to me about the lyrics. I said, we're going to look those up on the internet and we're going to read them together. <laughs> then we, embarrass embarrassing. Yeah. So then I'm like, then we're going to talk about what they mean. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, <laughs> Then they're like, well, we can listen to your music. I said, okay, yeah. that sounds like a good solution to this problem. <laughs> yeah, I sat in the car with my one son and said, okay, next. 
Yeah. Most of the plays, I'm like, mm, next. Yeah. I'm like, next? Could you, can't find anything? <laughs> it's pretty amazing what's out there. Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad that I got to steal this hour from you. I have... I have so many notes I'm going to have to go back and take when I listen to the playback. This has been great. So I'm very fun. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that you're doing this and putting this out there. And I think the next step you should, you know, create an accountability group for people to join in on this. Will you join? I would join. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll see what I can do. You know, okay. I'll, add it to my, I'll add it to my, add it to your list, my to-do list for the day. <laughs> No, I think that's a great idea. And I'd love to bring some wonderful women back together and we can all help each other out. So this has been great. Thank you so much. And I hope we'll keep talking, but I hope we see each other in 2021. Yes. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it'll all come back around. Yes. It'll be like this big party when everybody, like, forget the conference. The first conference when everybody gets together, like, it's like. No agenda. They should have half the sessions and have like just a, you know, just a hangout time for half of it for people to just catch up and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. So take care, enjoy your weekend, and we will talk again soon. Sounds great. Looking All forward right. to it, Olivia. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. This has been the You Don't Know Schmidt podcast. I'm Olivia Schmidt, and I hope you've enjoyed the conversation in today's show. If this is your first time with us, make sure to subscribe now. Then you'll be first in line to hear new episodes with a new guest and a whole new perspective. And if you know anybody who could benefit from hearing any part of today's conversation, feel free to share the show. We're always looking for new fans and there's always highly valuable information in each of these episodes. I wish you all the best until we meet again.